Hello film fans, welcome to the Film vs Film podcast, my name is Martin Harries, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode we pick a topic from a film that's coming out at the cinema, or on VOD, myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, and we battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time, according to two film geeks from Wiltshire, England. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Hello, film fans. As A World to Come will be coming out on Netflix this week, we'll be focusing on LGBTQ films. As ever, I am joined by the Mr. Encyclopedia Man. That is Mr. Boaz Dix. How are you, sir? Good, good. So, Boaz, uh, we'll go with you first. <laughs> He's laughing at me already. This is not a good sign. Um, I always laugh at you, man. What is your pick? Um, my pick is a film called Call Me By Your Name. Cool. From Luca Guadagnino. Mm-hmm. So, what happens in this one? Uh, and why did you pick it? So, well, I picked it because I had watched it with a few friends of mine um, a while back. Happened yeah. to be on TV. Um, yeah, and I thought it was alright. So, and uh, it's literally the only uh, LGBT film I could think of um, when you. you know, uh, I was yeah, asked. they're not many. Um, but- they probably are. It's just you know, I, you know, you don't really see too many uh, advertised. Or mm. I also kind of wanted to balance it out because you picked the one which is more, uh, you know, a girl and girl romance, and I didn't want to. There are quite a lot of those. Mm-hmm. There are quite a lot of films about the yeah. you know romantic life of, of lesbian women, and uh, not as many about like homosexuals. Uh, you know, yeah, male male uh, homosexual. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I had watched this, and I thought, yeah, this was pretty good. So that's why I picked this one. So it's about a, um, I believe his father's like a professor of archaeology or something like that. And uh, this guy, Elliot, he lives in Italy with his family. He's quite spoilt and uh, what have you. And and, uh, his dad has like um, a guy come over to be, uh, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, like a researcher, like a protege, you know, to learn from him and stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, this older guy called Oliver, and uh, even though at the start, like he, yeah, he's acting like he doesn't like him. Eventually, you know, well, they they kind of love each other and <laughs> yeah, and go out with each other, and uh, and then he leaves, and yeah, it's just a kind of like whirlwind romance sort of thing. So let's kick off with um, directing, as always. Yeah, I was quite surprised with like the tone of this film i think compared to a lot of other romantic films in this kind of genre of lgbtq you know because the drama of this film is very much played down it's almost for me it's like a hangout film Mm. disguised as like a romantic coming of age film especially with the few like emotional scenes at the end it's all you know about all the love for all these characters for each other you know there's no you know they respect each other there's no big arguments or anything which is not what you would expect at all in 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 a story like this i I, yeah i would say like uh plot wise it kind of does throw the the standard lgbtq romance form structure like a bit on its head usually like they have to well almost exclusively they struggle through a hell of a lot of adversity through a very homophobic world and and you know find each other at the end or lose Mm -hmm. each other or whatever and this one it's it's a bit different it's like 
they don't go through adversity. Nobody's like picking on them. Nobody really cares. It's uh, but it's interesting. Yeah, because the his parents definitely know yeah. pretty much from the off. Even though the film doesn't really tell you mm. that, they kind of know and they just let it happen. They're like they're very they're very comfortable with Elio being with you know this. I guess this is one problematic part of the film mm. is that you know Army Hammer's character is in his thirties and Timothy Chalamet Elio is like seventeen. <laughs> So, you know, the, the parents are very okay with that, so, which to some people is problematic. Uh, it depends what the age of consent um, is in Italy. Uh, so I, I don't... <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm being genuinely serious. Like, it depends what the age yeah, of consent yeah. is. If this was uh, in the US, then, yeah, I don't know. But, um, uh, I mean, in England, we tend to forget because we're so Americanized that it's 16 here. And in, and in other countries, it can, it can vary or fluctuate. You know, the way that also Elliot is sort of portrayed, he's kind of a playboy, he's very much, you know, everybody knows this. You're introduced to him <laughs> yeah, straight yeah, off yeah. the bat, sleeping with a girl in his room, you know. And I mean, uh, even Oliver is, you know, fucking around with girls that are uh, in a similar mm-hmm. age group in the late teens. So I don't think it's so much of a problem. I think you can, mm-hmm. like, overly focus on age if you want to, to the detriment of... um you know, a meaning of a film or uh, any story, but you know, I mean, uh, yeah, Romeo and Juliet. I mean, she she was mm. she was very underage, but you know, they were in Italy and it was a different time. So, but anyway, <laughs> everything is fine. Here. <laughs> yeah, move to Italy. <laughs> but I mean, talking of Italy, I mean, why I kind of say it's kind of bit, it's almost like a hangout film is the fact that it looks so desirable to be mm. there. You know, it looks so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you just like I want to be there right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> You know, it just looks amazing. Yeah, Luca Guadagnino's directing style is, is kind of really interesting in this. Um, there's some really kind of very quick stylized moments from him, but a lot of it's very pulled out and there's not a lot of very of close-ups. But, but one thing I kind of noticed as well is that it would be intri- intriguing to know how he directs the actors in certain scenes because there's one where Elio goes into his bedroom where, you know, o- Oliver is using it you know, for his, his time there. And he finds like a pair of swimming shorts <laughs> and he puts it on and he puts the swimming shorts on his head. Yeah. I'm just like, is that written yeah, in the that, script that, or is Luca just saying to Timothy? Do you like? Here's some shorts. <laughs> do what you want with that. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. You know, that was, that was pretty, that was pretty strange. And Luca's like, oh, I did not expect <laughs> that. Okay. <laughs> We're keeping that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was, that was pretty so, bizarre. But yeah. But I kind of like that. It gives it gives a lot of room for the actors to play with the script, and I think you get better, more naturalistic performances um, if you go in that kind of style. For me, certainly in something like this film. And again, I, I spoke a little bit about you know, or mentioned that Luca certainly keeps the camera very far away from the actors. There's not a lot of long lenses or close-ups on the actors in in you know the emotional dialogue there's a moment where you know Elio and and Oliver are talking about their feelings for each other for the first time really and it's and they're in like in town and they're kind of like circling around the war memorial mm. and it's all done you know in wide shots there's no that you know they're not close to the actors at all and you can hardly see their faces. And, and at the end of what Chalamet says, it's, he says, because there's no one else I can say these things to but you. And Oliver says, are you saying what I think you're saying? 
and it's like we're very much observers mm. in this you know we are the pub you know we're in a public place and you know it's kind of like we have to con- concentrate more on what their body language is, is saying to each mm. other and to the audience rather than what what their faces and what they're actually saying mm. you know so which is a very different and interesting style luca goes with yeah. i think i mean did you want to be tighter in did you want to yeah i I, you know i think know what's going on i think that would have um, helped i suppose because when he just comes out and sort of confesses his feelings and stuff it is quite distant and it's less it's almost a kind of blink and you'll miss it is he saying this or (laughs) do you know what i mean it 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 doesn't really have that sort of impact yeah i i think uh maybe more when they actually go to the swimming uh you know go for a swim and sit by the grass and then start kissing and stuff like that was uh Maybe yeah. it could have happened there because, uh, you know, the camera was much closer on him. It yeah. was much more intimate. It was much more, yeah, something's probably going to go on. Because I kind of got, like, the sense of that we're not really supposed to see this, yes. <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of thing. You um, can tell, like, um, out of the I two of them, know. Oliver is, yeah. Because they're in public. Uh, you you know, know, out of the two of them, Oliver is a lot more embarrassed and a lot more, you know, doesn't really want to kind of display it too much. Not to say there aren't close-ups in this. Yeah. There are, <laughs> but there's one particular close-up, close-up, close-up. There's one particular close-up shot on Chalamet when he hasn't seen Oliver for like a few days, and Guadagnino creates like these bluey greeny hues of light, like flashing over the film. Mm. Remember yeah. that bit where it makes it look like really distorted, and like I got the feeling that. Elio is like really missing Oliver and it's kind of representing his mind like going all mm. over the place. It looks great, but it's it's just a really interesting choice. Mm. Uh, um, what do you think about that shot? Yeah, that yeah, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, it kind of, uh, it is a bit sort of weird and uh, surreal sort of, um, yeah, filter for the camera. And yeah, yeah, I, sp- I think it is meant to kind of convey that his head is a bit messy, you know. I mean, what do you think about the fact that they don't show the sex scene in this film? You know, because the camera starts off on them on the bed and then the camera moves away to to the window. I mean, there's a lot of TV shows and films out there that they, you know, they basically yeah. show yeah. everything. Um, but with this, yeah. they don't. Uh, I'm actually kind know. of thankful for that. I think... Um, Sex scenes in no, I'm I'm serious. Like sex scenes in most films, I think yeah, are a bit yeah. gratuitous, like bordering on pornography. And oh, um, yeah. you know, I don't think that there's much. It's not like love or romance. It's just like people fucking. And so yeah. this, yeah, it's like, and especially it's kind of funny because when they like first, you know, they make love at like twelve and stuff, and he leaves him that note like, "See me at twelve o'clock and stuff," and he. Oh, yeah. You don't see. Yeah, what but happens. it's kind of funny because he yeah. uh, gets he has a he gets a girlfriend. They go to this place, and he seems like such a player. Yeah, he knows good. what he's doing. Da 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 da. But then when it comes at twelve and they're on their own, just the build up to that, I quite I thought was sweet. He's fumbling. He has no fucking idea what he's doing. You know, he's uh, he's mm. pushing him around. Do you know what I mean? It's like an army hammer is like looking at all the slides of you know of. Of um, statues yeah. <laughs> of these ridiculously ripped yeah, men, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> ancient. Exactly. But I just, I, I, I just thought that was sweet, like the build up to the the love scene, and then yeah, you know, it cuts off. Yeah. That's fine, leave them to there. Because it second guesses you, like, oh, when are they actually yeah. going to do it? It know? does happen quite, um, quite into the film, I, isn't it? Yeah. It's like an hour and ten minutes or something. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? 
How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. But I, I agree, you know, I think if they did show everything, I think it wouldn't it wouldn't align with the rest of the tone of the film because, you know, we, we said this is very much a hangout, coming-of-age mm. film. It looks great. And I think, you know, certainly with first-time sex, it ain't pretty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah, it, tentacles it everywhere. This whole tone. <laughs> yeah, like an extra limbs. Um, but um, there are there are some kind of... All right. What <laughs> yeah. you have? Uh, I'll just put it this way: they never let me the, in the aquarium ever again. Octopus <laughs> fetish. <laughs> there are some bits oh, that uh, uh, you know they're sexapades. It is kind of like um, it's quite blue. Do you know what I mean? After that bit, they kind of get uh, romantically involved quite a bit, and you know, like he sucks, he sucks him off. That was that was pretty crazy. Like you know, where oh, yeah. he just like just out of nowhere, just take off your pants. <laughs> Yeah, I thought, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's quite interesting, because obviously he's trying to, because Elio is, is kind of down at this point. He's he's a bit embarrassed hmm. about a certain thing that's happened. And then, you know, Army Hammer, become he just wants to be spontaneous and just tries to give him a blowjob. And then when he comes up again, he's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> you know, he's kind of like, he's surprised yeah. himself as well, you know, in yeah. doing that. <laughs> Oh, that was quite a good, interesting acting moment from Army mm. Hammer there. But yeah, have you got a favourite shot then? When he goes on holiday with him, and uh, you know they're they yeah they get oh, blackout yeah. drunk and they start walking through the streets and you know kissing and stuff, and then they hear like <laughs> music and they go and you know Oliver goes to dance and yeah he throws yeah, up yeah. and stuff. I just thought that was all kind of cute. So yeah, maybe the kind of camera of just like it's just them two in the city on on their own. So, I don't know, it's kind of sweet, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I like that bit as well. But I kind of like the just very simple shots of um, of the waterfalls, mm. you know, of them just walk, you know running up the hill and seeing the waterfalls. I thought that was really quite a nice change of pace in the film. Yeah, I really yeah. like that. <laughs> so, as this is your film, I'll go first for my directing score. Yeah, I think Luca Guadagnino you know, chooses some really bold choices in the storytelling here. Um, some great casting choices as well. Yeah, and I kind of like the you know the nice you know how he plays with the the, the film stock as well with that close up I mentioned. And there's other bits where there's like a little negative semi dream sequence where it's all like really bright orange mm. and yellow for a split second. Yeah. Um, oh, I, yeah. I would also, te- I, I would like to mention how I thought it was kind of interesting when they started rolling the credits and it's just Elliot's face as he's by the fire, just crying, you know, like trying to hold back tears and they just have yeah. the music and the credits just roll over that, you know, until it ends. And it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I thought yeah, that was interesting. Like yeah. That. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. So I think I'll go with like an 8.6 mm. for directing. Yeah, I think I'd go pretty high. It's like, um, well, you know, you, you know me, I love like amazing technical things with the camera. This film is a lot 
quieter, it's a lot more <laughs> reserved, it's a lot stiller, it's a lot slower, and the camera reflects it, doesn't go too crazy. It can be quite intimate at times as well. Yeah, yeah and I love... I, you know, they really brings out not just, you know, the beauty of their house, uh, of the people and uh, and stuff like that, but even just the beauty of the environment, the beauty of Italy, you just kind of soak it in. Um, everything looks quite nice, mm. you know. Because I feel like you can just have this film on in the background and or just if you're really tired, just, just watch this. It'll just really put you at ease. Yeah, yeah, calm. definitely. It, you know, have a, have a nice exactly, sense of calmness. Exactly. Feeling, it does have this know. just, uh, you know, ever pervasive calmness. Of just yeah, it's just this serene, lovely mm-hmm. land, you know, and these characters just uh, doing their thing in it. I'd actually love to watch this actually in an outdoor mm. cinema. I think it'd yeah. be perfect. For yeah, an outdoor screening. I think um, the the lines between it and nature would just sort of fade away. It's uh, it is a very kind of natural feeling yeah. film. Um, so yeah, I would go pretty pretty high because you know that hundred percent has to be okay. the directing. And yeah, I think I'd go pretty high, maybe like an 8.7. I just think it's uh, really nice to look at. And the music as oh. well. It's really good, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that also <laughs> adds to the calm of it. All right, screenplay then. Any particular scenes that you liked? I think a lot of the scenes are really well constructed mm. in this film. Anything that so jumped out So the thing you? that jumped out at me, and it's good when a scene jumps out at you and it's towards the end. So to me, it mm-hmm. just kind of ma- it makes the, the whole experience sort of worth it. You know, you have a, a good finale. Um, but I like when his dad, like, you know, he's been crying and moping, like, all day, because uh, Oliver's gone. And I like yeah. when his dad, like, says him, you know, come here. And uh, it was just basically like he knows and stuff. And I just love his little pep talk to him about, like, love and loss and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I got to try and find some of it, because I just thought it was just really well well done. Just give me a minute. I did think about writing it down, but it was just, like, so much. Like I like I liked all of it, so I didn't bother really. <laughs> I thought it was an incredible speech, but um, I'm just gonna like put just the end bit of it from Michael Stolberg. So in my place, most parents would hope the whole thing goes away or pray that their sons land on their feet soon enough. But I am not such a parent. We rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster than we should that we go bankrupt by the age of thirty and have less less to offer each time we start with someone new. But to feel nothing so as not to feel uh, so as not to feel anything, that's a waste, you know, what a waste. I just thought that was really good. I was like, wow, that's yeah, that's some fucking amazing yeah. advice. Yeah, I mean I, I did feel some, some tears developing yeah. during that bit, to be fair. Yeah, his dad should give up um, the archaeology thing and go into poetry. I mean Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or yeah, relationship, relationship counselling. counseling. I thought that was incredible. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, he's kind of saying that, you know, Ilio's friendship with Oliver is definitely is a lot more than just mm. friendship. And as you said, he, he calls it it's something special, um, a lot more than what his own relationship experience was. And um, t- and he's kind of t- telling Ilio, you know, you have to hold on to these feelings of pain and sorrow because, you know, through this time he will he will remember the happiness. These moments are rare, you know, and it may not happen mm. again um, for Ilio. And I think that whole scene is actually encapsulated, as you said, that that final close-up shot of him looking into the fire with the credits going as well, because it kind of starts with Yulio, you know, really upset and crying, you know, obviously very sad. and But then right near the end, he kind of, like, starts smiling. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that, but he does bring a little tiny smile at the end. 
And it kind of suggests that he is starting to look back at this journey fondly, you know, and not full of sadness and regret. And I thought that that final performance from Timothy Chalamet was absolutely mm. perfect and just encapsulates the not just that whole scene with his dad, but the whole film itself, yeah. you know, I thought it was just incredible piece yeah. of acting there. Oh, a- another Chalamet. scene I, I thought was quite interesting, how it was done, is basically when uh, Oliver's left and then his, you know, and they've had this amazing weekend together. And he goes home in the car and he's trying to hold it together. And then he sees like... Marzia. He sees yeah. the girl as he took a, that he took as a girlfriend. And she was quite sad that um, he just stopped spending any time with her because he was with Oliver. And she didn't really understand. Yeah. So she's like... Oh, yeah. yeah and so she's like speaking Italian to her and he's really sad. And I think she thinks it's about her. And uh, she's like, we're still friends. And he just like hugs her really tight. And uh, I, I'm thinking two things. Yeah. Like, one, like, this has been hard on him, but you don't really think about her until then, you know? I mean, he did have her no. as a kind of in-between girlfriend, you know? Like, basically, I think, a practice of, yeah. like... <laughs> but also, it's just kind of like, it's somebody mm. hit for him to sort of share this grief with, but she doesn't really understand. She thinks it's about him, yeah. uh, about her. And, and that was quite It's kind of what I was saying in directing. Like, there's no... in a, In a different film with a different director like this would be a quite a dramatic mm. scene maybe and you know kind of shouty or argumentative but mm. it's not at all they're just just so much love for mm. each other you know as friends and it's just you know it's 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 really quite satisfying to mm. watch actually that they're, these two are still friends that they're going to carry on their friendship despite their mm. past yeah i really like that yeah wherever this place is it's uh it just seems like everybody is pretty cool pretty chill yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say, you know, from yeah, as a, a story point of view, I suppose this film, it is quite easy. It's quite easy to look at and, and, and watch and what have you. And as a romance, mm. it's like, you know, it's touching. On the flip side of that, that can be to its detriment of being something that's overly compelling because mm. it's not like they've had to suffer through any of this. You know what I mean? Like from a, a story point of view, they haven't no. had to struggle. They haven't had to... I would say, you know, the greatest struggle is just at the end where they have to, like, break up. But that's because, mm, yeah, you know, he's got to work, you know, he's got to go off and do something else. But, yeah. yeah, it's not like the world is against them sort of thing. So if you're really into those kind of romances no. where it's like, uh, oh, they're struggling through adversity and, you know, it's, they have his... So it's, it's not really mm. like that. It's more like they have a really passionate love affair and it just kind of ends this naturally. is a yeah. period film this is set in the mm. 80s you know in the 80s there's the AIDS mm. crisis and people didn't know how it was transmitted yeah. you know so there was certainly a fear of homophobia mm. in that time but that you don't really no. get a sense of not that not at all, at all. So, like this really yeah i know really it, it is kind of so it it does have this kind of like i suppose unrealistic feel about it like it seems like a a post homophobic mm. world or something which you know probably was never at the time so mm. yeah if you're kind of wanting more struggle then i suppose this is not for you it's it's not a very struggly film yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's no. more it's more like uh <laughs> yeah it's a hangout yeah it's a hangout come of age like a love love film you know and uh, and then it ends yeah <laughs> yeah i kind of really like the um the early scenes as well between elio and oliver do you remember the music scene where, like, Ilio is just playing guitar, you know, outside, and then Oliver's like, oh, can you play that again? And then he's like, then he just gets off the wall or whatever, and then he just says to him, 
oh, come with me. And then it, it, then they go inside and Elio starts playing the piano like in different ways of um, how different composers yeah, yeah, would play it. Cool. And then Oliver kind of gets annoyed, like, no, no, play it how you played it outside. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he gets agitated with that. And it's kind of like Elio is messing with Oliver a little bit just to see how he would yeah. react. And then and then when he does go out, go, go out because he's kind yeah. of annoyed, Oliver... Elio starts playing how he would have, how he played it yeah. outside. So, and then Oliver comes back in and he keeps mm. playing. You know, he doesn't stop. And it was kind of just an interesting moment there between those two. Elio and Oliver, to a certain extent, are just testing the waters with, you know, discovering what, what, what each other's personalities mm. are like, are kind of like that, that kind of opening verbal battle, if mm. you will, in terms of their yeah, relationship. Yeah, definitely. Again, there's another really like sweet moment where Ilio, Ilio's mother is telling him a story um, about like this prince and princess um, who are like madly in love, and he says, "She says, oh, is it better to speak or to die?" You know about the subject of of being in love, and Ilio says, "Oh, I don't think I have the courage to say something like that." And then his father's like, "Oh, I doubt that." Hey, Ellie Belly, <laughs> you do know that you can always talk to us and it's like you get this sense that his father senses something is up and he kind of knows about him and Mm. oliver and then there's like this blackout kind of thing for a moment and his mother reacts to it but his father doesn't react to it at all he's just totally focused on you know his son ilio and i thought that was quite quite an interesting Mm. moment you certainly get this sense right from the off from his parents that they know that he's having a relationship with oliver well, certainly his yeah. dad knows. And then it's interesting, the scene after that, actually, after they talk about that, that French book, because uh, Elio is talking to Oliver about the book, and um, uh, Oliver has his back to Elio, and he's look, he looks really interested about, the, about this question, you know, should the knight speak about their love or, or, you know, take it to his grave and die? But then when Oliver turns around to look at him, he kind of like dismisses the question. He's like, oh, yeah, they're just French, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) And he's kind of, you know, all smiley. But you kind of just get a little subtle glimpse when he when he has his back to him that, you know, Oliver does like him. You know, I thought that was, again, like a nice little opening for the audience to see where Oliver Mm. is at. So you got a favorite line? Maybe that long, long, long one that that his dad said. Yeah, Yeah, I think that would be probably my favorite. But um. Uh, I mean, the whole call me by your name thing, that is actually said yeah. in the film. Yeah, after yeah, yeah. the first time they spend <laughs> together and he's like... And I'll call you by, yeah, by yeah, your Yeah, you name call me by... Uh, what was it? I call you by my name and you call me by yours or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and they keep doing that. Like, you know, he would call her him Oliver, Oliver, and he's like, Elio, Elio. Yeah. I, I think even at the uh, oh, yeah. the last time they actually talk, <laughs> the last strange. time they actually <laughs> talk where he's telling him he's getting married. Yeah, and he's just like, Elio, Elio. Yeah. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking that phone yeah. call. It's like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, because he even like just says, mm. "I suppose you're calling to say you've gotten married or something." He's like, "Yeah, not yet. In a couple of months or something." It's booked, and he's yeah. Is it? Is he actually getting married to a, a yeah a woman? I'm pretty I sure yeah. that ain't gonna last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it's funny because narratively, I think uh, there are points where they're trying to make each other jealous with like the women they're picking. Like where he's not sure about him, yeah, so yeah. he gets this girl he's kissing in front of everybody and what have you. And uh, Oliver has this other girl <laughs> that he's—he basically does the same to him. It's like kissing in front of her. 
And he's like, oh, yeah. you should ask her out. You know, I, um, I've seen her naked once and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> and he's like, do you, do you want Great me to body. ask her out? He's like, <laughs> you know, uh, I just find it funny. They were trying to make each other jealous. Yeah, I think my favorite line is, which will segue nicely into acting for me, is, am I offending you? <laughs> <laughs> what, where he grabs his knob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, dude, personal space. Um, yeah. yeah. So score for screenplay I don't I don't get the impression there was too much improv improvisation in this compared to like the directional style. Yeah, I think I'll go about eight point three, I mm, think. That's a good score. I think I'll go like maybe eight point four, something like that. Right, acting mm. then. There are a few terrible things <laughs> in this film. Um one of which is Army Hammer's dancing. I'm like, <laughs> oh god, that's that's bad. <laughs> You've got to get off that dance floor, man. No dancing in the street for exactly. you ever again, yeah. Mr. Army Hammer. No. Nope. Just stand and look pretty. <laughs> Don't move. Yeah, it's so yeah. cringeworthy. Especially, you know, in the nightclub scene. It's interesting, actually, on the shots on Timothy Chalamet when he's watching him, you know, because he's really trying to relax and be cool, you know, smoking and drinking off the dance floor. And then he, you know, it's as if he just can't take his eyes off Oliver in this moment. And, uh, and then he does go off and dance on the dance floor next to him and kind of tries to get his attention by dancing close to him or whatever. But it does, but it kind of like fails <laughs> yeah. badly. <laughs> doesn't really work. Um, I quite like that. I like the scene where they kind of kiss for the first time and yeah, Ol Oliver definitely like enjoys it, but he says, Oh, we shouldn't. And then, as I said, my favorite line, <laughs> Elio puts his hands on his <laughs> balls and says, am I offending you? <laughs> And it's just quite funny that bit, and, yeah. <laughs> and Oliver just like smiles, and he's just, like, just don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just a really weird, funny moment. Yeah, quite like that. Any other bits of acting performances that you liked? Any particular bits? I like any bit where he just, I don't know. It's like there are bits where he's a player with you know girls his age and stuff, but then when he's with. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Oliver. I just think it's kind of cute that he doesn't know what to do. He's fumbling his words. He's talking <laughs> nonsense, and I just think that's kind of cute because that's kind of how you are when you're in love. Yeah, you, you know, you get to your crush and nothing absolutely, yeah, nothing works out. Nothing. Uh, you don't sound cool or what have you. And uh, I quite like that. I thought that was just interesting, and I think he plays that pretty well. Because he's really kind of bummed out when um, when they do have sex. Like afterwards, he's bummed out. You know, and he's just thinking, oh, is this the high point in their relationship? You know, is it all downhill hill from there? And like, Oliver doesn't really understand why he's acting like this. And he, you know, and then as we talked about, he gives him, gives him a spontaneous blowjob, which kind of fixes everything <laughs> <laughs> for the time being, <laughs> which is great. The second really problematic thing I have about this film, do you what? know what it is? The terrible food abuse <laughs> in this film. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that was, for me. That was and, and, and of course, and of course, and of course, I am talking about Army Hammer destroying a boiled yeah. egg at breakfast. Oh, what is okay. that about? I thought you meant when he. I thought you meant when he was <laughs> fucking a plum. You know. <laughs> I thought you meant that. No, I was trying to be. I was trying to do the joke, and I was trying to, try to stop you from spoiling it, but it clearly didn't work. No, no, of course not. If you think destroying an egg is worse than fucking a plum, I, I don't know. I like eggs, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I do like. I do like. But I mean, we've talked like about like 
breakfast etiquette on this podcast before, you know, with, with the terrible James Stewart breakfast eating. But I mean, come on, Army Hammond <laughs> destroying a boiled egg and they take it away, you know, and give him another one. <laughs> yeah, I remember, remember that, that bit yeah, yeah, near yeah. the start. It's his first breakfast. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what are you doing? That's a yeah. really nice alternate ending. Oh, Get God. the fuck out my Just house. Too excited. Go Just... back. Go back to America, <laughs> you fucking animal. Um... <laughs> Don't treat my eggs like this. I've been boiling these for two minutes. I mean, if you were doing it for two and a half minutes, it would be enough. fine. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Disgraceful. Yeah, the, the peach scene. Of course, it's kind of yeah. That was that was that was pretty weird. Really yeah, weird. weird. <laughs> I you know I think I get it. Like he's meant to be like really missing him and he wants him and stuff. And but yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit like fucked up. Um, yeah, don't fuck a peach, man. <laughs> <It's> obviously... <laughs> <laughs> obviously, he's kind of just experimenting and just trying to replicate other sexual yeah. things. I don't know. It's you know, and then. Uh, then um was it o- oliver comes in and finds out that he's been doing things to <laughs> yeah. his peach or plum or whatever it is and he kind of finds it funny and adorable and then elio says oh i'm sick aren't i i'm sick and then El- oliver says oh, do you want to see something sick <laughs> and then he tries to <laughs> eat it i'm just like both the audience and Elliot is like, no, what the fuck are you doing it's disgusting <laughs> But yeah, but then it, it just turns to it just turns from like oh to oh you know he becomes like really emotional and really sad and he just starts like yeah. hugging him and you know he gets really embarrassed about the whole situation you know and Oliver's just like really caught off guard about it as well. It's just a really great moment if you go from yeah just fruit yeah, weird exactly. disgustingness to ultimate yeah. fruit fucking you know, to true love really emotional yeah. and sadness yeah i don't think the title the fruit fucker so... would have been <laughs> 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 yeah yeah that was a very strange scene i no. think i would i would no. subtract that scene <laughs> if, I, if i could yeah really i, exactly. I do like you know where they they hug after it but yeah fucking a fruit is a bit weird Again, like in the script, does it say, Here you go, Tim, do something with this? Or is it actually yeah. in the script? <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I think, like, narratively, I guess he just misses him. He misses him a lot. But yeah, it's kind of strange. It's kind of strange. Yeah. I was hoping we could avoid the, the fruit fucking scene. Mm. But, um, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Never. Never. Never forget. But there is one great moment of, of sadness you see on, on Army Hammer's face. Near the end, Elio and o- Oliver kind of like get drunk and they dance with some strangers, as we've talked about briefly. Um, and they go when they're back in the hotel, Elio is kind of like dreaming of their time together, as I said, by these incredible like orange and red negatives of film, like very brief. It's really a great look there. And then, you know, he's fast asleep and Oliver, like, sits down. It's very dark cinematography. And he just looks really sad and upset. I think the first real moment of just proper sadness Mm. for Oliver, you know, and you just get this really strong feeling that he just doesn't want to leave. Um, And then, you know, in the train scene, it's so underplayed. I don't think they say anything, you know. It's really interesting the way that, that train scene is played as well, just just nothing there you know no dialogue it's all you know unspoken emotion Mm. in that scene it's it's really great really understated then he just kind of sullenly 
uh, you know, watches it go off and then walks into the station and calls his mum. Yeah, it's just mm. uh, yeah, it's just a really poignant. Yeah, it's the last time. Last time he's ever going to see. So, what's your favourite performance? Kid that plays Elio, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. I think if he had pulled off, because it's basically it's his film and it's about him and it's about his like first proper love and all this stuff. With a film that has that much focus on him, if he did a bad job, I don't think it really would have it would have worked or you know. Uh, no, it would have fallen not. flat on its ass, but it's so enjoyable, and I think, well, it's because of his performance, really. Um, kind of sells you on it, so. Mm. I think from both of them. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. As well. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Is, uh, and yeah. the parents. Um, but yeah, I think, for me, Timothy Chalamet just, just yeah. tips it ahead of Army Hammer, just. Score-wise, I think I'll go, like, 8.8. .8. I think the acting yeah, is... Yeah, it's pretty top-notch. Yeah. is really well done and and the again the chemistry is is really great between mm. them so i'll get wow that's really really high i think uh <laughs> okay. and you know thanks man for yeah because it's my film so 8.8 .8. i think yeah i think i think that is a damn good score i think i'm just gonna undercut it just slightly maybe like 8.6 any particular um i just like to keep my options open like uh i think it's very well performed but i don't want to score way too high if uh you know there's a film that i think the performance is do you know do you kind of get what i mean like i think it's really really yeah, good yeah, yeah okay i'm not sure if i would go that high is the thing but yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go like oh, yeah right, okay. 8.6 still still solid it's a, it's an amazing performance but just don't want to go that high yeah yeah let's add up the scores then for call me by your name I also kind of scored a little underused because I want to be somewhat modest, you know. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to win so so crazily over your pick. Your pick is amazing, though. So you know, we'll we'll talk about that. Call you by oh fuck, I just can't see anyway. The fruit fuckers. <laughs> Call me by your name and gets fifty one point four. Uh, there you go. As that's pretty Which damn pretty high. Good score. Yeah. Moving on then to my pick, which is Carol. Um, I found it quite difficult to choose my pick. I, I spent quite a long time between Carol and uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire is an incredible masterpiece as well. A great uh, French film from last year, I think. Yeah, if you've not seen that, check that one out. It's it's absolutely stunning in terms of acting and cinematography, especially. But I kind of went with Carol in the end because I've seen it more and I kind of relate to the characters mm. a bit more, especially Rooney Mara's character, Therese, mm. um, Elevet. And it's shot on film as well, you know, which, which I'm always going to champion a film that's shot on film compared to shot digitally, which Portrait of a Lady on Fire mm. is. Um, even though, you know, I'm not dissing digital, but, you know, portrait is, is incredibly well shot. I think if you're going to, you know, shoot a digital film, you know, in a period piece, just talk to the cinematographer who did that. I mean, my God, beautiful stuff in that film. But ultimately I went with Carol. This one is about a character called Carol Ed in like the early 1950s America, and she's, you know, struggling with her husband. She's going through a divorce and she's going through the, a custody battle with her husband about who's going to get 
custody rights for her daughter. Um, and then she meets this character called Therese Elevet, played by Rudy Mara, and she wants to buy just like a train or a doll, I think, for her daughter. And she meets, you know, Therese at at um, this store, and it kind of goes from there, really, because she leaves her gloves uh, yeah. gloves on the counter. Not entirely sure whether she did it on purpose or by accident. You know, it's quite open-ended there, but it basically goes from there. And, you know, this story of Therese trying to find herself in this world, what does she want to do in life in, you know, the early 1950s America and Carol, you know, the situation with, with her life, how how was this relationship going to work, you know, and it goes from there. I adore this film. I think it's just so beautifully shot and acted and written. I just, uh, you know, you might get some crazy scores from me <laughs> in this one. But um, yeah, I I think I've seen this about five okay. times now from 2015. Yeah, directed by Todd Haynes. Yeah, just beautiful. Directing then, first thing I've got to say, yes, I've already mentioned it's shot on film, but not only just shot on film, it's shot on 16mm film, which is certainly a, a smaller stock of film. Not your normal um, 35mm film or Super 33 it's 16 mil, which is a lot smaller, so you get a lot of, a lot less um, information in your image, and it kind of can get a little bit more grainy as well. So you kind of have to have an expert cinematographer as well in this, and it just looks mm. stunning. Yeah, it just has this very intimate, grainy look, and it just suits the time period of the early 50s, you know, this kind of like film noir aspect mm. as well. It just looks gorgeous. Um, especially at night and in the rain, those scenes just look amazing. Um, what did you think about like the look? Oh of this yeah, film? yeah, yeah. I think oh, you've I've... hit the nail on the head. Yeah, it definitely does feel period specific and quite. You know, yeah, it does look really nice. Especially like the little montage sequence of Carol and Therese in the car going on their trip, the first one, and they s- and you see all these little close-up shots of their faces. You know, and, and all these different looks they're giving each other, longing looks, and and I think there's even like shots of Therese um, back in the cab, like right at the start, um, in the rain, as a little, tiny little flashbacks moments. Yeah, again, the cinematography is great by Edward Latchman. You know, the way he kind of like uses natural light to like shape their faces in pretty much all the scenes is is just really gorgeous hmm. for me. Any other particular scenes that you like in this film, Boaz? directing wise towards the end the last scene was quite nice of um she goes to that dinner Therese was invited to and sees uh carol in the distance you know how the camera yeah. sort of zooms in on her and sort of pulls back from Therese, and almost like she's being like pulled in you know to carol and i yeah. quite like that I thought that was a really nice uh ending shot it's a lot of like yeah nice pov slow-mo in that scene as well, which I really like. That's actually my favourite shot. Yeah. So um, another shot I quite um, liked uh, is um, where they they haven't seen each other for a while, and she's going through a court case and what have you. Uh, well, discussing it with her lawyers before the court case, and yeah. uh, she's in a taxi or a car or whatever, and she thinks she sees Therese. She sees like uh, so it goes like a PV POV oh, yeah. through the car window. And just how the camera is kind of shaking up and down and just, like, trying to track. It's like it's her eye. And you can't really see if yeah. it's her. Just just like she doesn't actually know if it's her. You don't really know. You can sort of see her back. And 
You're not entirely sure. Mm. Same sort of dress. I, I quite like that because um, it's the camera. Really, you know, it, it, it's getting like a, a very personal sort of view. Do you know what I mean? Like she's not sure, you're not sure. It's not like you have any more information mm. than she does. And I quite like that. I thought that was a really good shot. Yeah, I quite like the little scene when they stop to take a break from their trip to wherever they're going. I can't remember. Um, and Carol stops to look at some Christmas trees and there's shots of like um Therese Rudy Mara's character like loading film. I just really love that geeky stuff because I've got I've actually got like a little film camera and an Olympus OM1 you know we actually you know from the whatever the 70s or whatever. Yeah, I just really mm. like that. <laughs> you know and that there's some great um POV shots and it kind of like goes in and out of of focus on Carol, and it's just a great moment of Therese taking pictures of Carol, and you kind of get the sense as well from from Kate Blanche's performance that Carol knows that Therese is taking pictures yeah. of her a little bit. I got that sense at as um, I like that little scene. It's just like oh yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. was kind of- <laughs> <laughs> Again, there is a a sex scene in this and they do show it compared to call you by my name. They don't show it, but I think this is a very, I feel like it's a very different kind of love in this film where it's kind of a a desperation escapism is esque Mm. love. If you know what I mean? Like they just, these two characters are very much lost with Carol in the middle, kind of in like a midlife crisis and Therese just, on the cusp of not really knowing what direction her life wants to go in and they just meet each other and, you know, kind of encapsulates in this sex scene. It's just beautifully lit as well. But it's not, as you said, it's not pornographic at all. It's beautifully lit. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that. (laughs) You know, it's just really tender and you just believe it completely. But yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, it's been building up to it for quite some time at that point in the film. It's mainly uh, Carol taking sort of control there, but not in a kind of forceful or dominating or demeaning Mm. way, but just kind of easing her into it. And she's very kind of open for this because she wants it as well, uh, Therese. And uh, yeah, it's just quite sensual, you know, very kissy, very lovey and uh, caressing and stuff like Mm. that. And the way again, like the light just Absolutely, curves yeah. around their bodies, just yeah, yeah. just really beautiful. What was interesting, actually, I looked at some YouTube interviews about this film as well, and they were saying this scene was actually really easy to shoot, and the actors felt really comfortable, you know, on and off screen. Certainly, especially in this sex scene, because the chemistry was really strong, you know, and they felt very safe and trusted by the director Todd Haynes, and I felt. In recent news, just really disappointed. In a recent interview, Kira Knightley came out and said that she would never do a sex scene with a male director again. And it's just, I just found that really disappointing. I, I get, may we don't know whether she's had a bad experience in the past, but I just feel like when you have just a really great film in like Carol with this, which is focused on two female characters, you know, on this romantic journey um just really well done by a male director um and they have a sex scene in there and they you know and they and they're and it's really well done it's just really disappointing for someone like Kira Knightley to say that and it's just like ugh, I just feel like you're kind of limiting yourself a little bit but I guess I respect that decision at the same time but you know I, I just feel like you know, you could have the same thing with maybe, you know, two male 
like and call you by your name like maybe would army hammer and timothy chalamet feel uncomfortable about like mm. a female director directing a sex mm. scene like that i don't know you know i think i don't think they would be terribly yeah. offended at all and obviously this film is pre me too as well so it was a different time mm. during carol mm. And it would be interesting to see whether someone like Todd Haynes would actually have the opportunity to, to do a film like this mm. again, you know. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Yeah, I just felt that was a bit disappointing from her, personally. But what what, what do you feel on that, Boaz? Yeah, well, it kind of just, you know, depends on what her experience was that, you know, soured her to yeah. the idea. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't fault her if she had a, a, a bad experience, you know. Yeah. I remember hearing about there was another like girl girl romance film. Uh I can't remember it was like the color blue or something. Blue is the warmest color. That's the one. Blue is the warmest color. And that got, you know, uh, accolades and and stuff like that, but one of the actresses said that filming was uncomfortable as shit, you know. And uh felt a lot yeah. of the scenes like, you know, the director was a bit it's a bit forceful, you know. Uh, you know, even mm. the love scene. So you know, it kind it kind of it kind of depends who the hell the director is. You know, and yeah, and you know, all, you, but, all it takes is one bad experience, and then it can just sour you off to the whole idea. Yeah, definitely. But I think certainly with Carol, both Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett have said they felt incredibly comfortable mm. doing it, and it was really easy doing the sex scene with Todd Haynes, who mm. is a man. Mm. I just feel like if you know, what would Keira Knightley say if? or another actress that's sceptical if, you know, Todd Haynes approaches someone like Keira Knightley and says, you know, I've got this great script, you know, similar to Carol or whatever, mm. and it has a sex scene in it, would she take it or not? I just feel like it would be disappointing for me. But mm. again, we don't know her circumstances entirely, mm. but I think it's it's important to talk about, I think. What's your favourite shot, Mr. Encyclopedia? So, yeah. So I had like a few shots that I quite liked. You know, I said, you know, where she's looking for, uh, you know, she thinks she sees her uh, on the street. I, I quite like that shot. Yeah, my favourite shot is, again, the POV slow-mo shot of Therese going to meet Carol right at the end. Mm. You know, that last sh- shot of of her slowly approaching her. And then you see Carol giving this, like, really um, slow um, smile towards Therese as she comes back. And, you know, the music's really beautiful as well from Carter Burrell. Mm well is stunning and it really drives the emotion in that scene and it's just uh, you know in that scene and the whole film all together mm. you know for me everything just fucking works in this mm. i just i fucking love it <laughs> yeah i do think everything flows pretty well so score boaz for directing what are you going for uh, for directing i think i would go 8.4 that is far too low far too low <laughs> oh shit <laughs> I just find that the fact that a director and a cinematographer are so willing to and committed to shoot on 60mm for their whole picture is really brave yeah. for me. You know, the fact that you are, you are limiting yourself to less information in the frame and you're going to get a lot of grain, but the end results are amazing, you know, and it's not like with digital, you just, you know, you shoot a scene, then you can literally just see playback straight away. Mm. You have to wait till the end of the day to see what, well, to see what, you know, the, the previous days were like, you know, in the dailies, you know, old fashioned filmmaking. And I think Todd Haynes did a beautiful job. So I'm going to go like solid nine, I think. Mm. Screenplay. 
Yeah, the screenplay is really, uh, it's really good. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on, actually. I love how simple each each of the scenes are, and they're quite short, and and it, se- it all seems very natural, and, this, and the script gives the actors so much room for nuance and subtlety in such a simple script. Mm. You know, it, it just brings out just really strong performances from Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett and Sarah Paulson. Mm. Carl Chandler, it's just, it's really well done. But I kind of really like the the choice of how the film starts, actually, with Rudy Mara's character, Therese, because um, it's, it's very much a flash forward right at the start, having dinner with Carol, and it's kind of like the last moment they have together um, before you see the real end. You know, and they get interrupted by Therese's friend, and, and when Carol gets up to leave, you know, she touches her on the shoulder you know, like this could be the very last moment they could they see each other, mm. and it's very much a nod to Brief Encounter. I don't know if you know that film, where a similar thing happens, where you know the the character these characters just uh, meet for a few days and they just fall in love, and then the guy has to leave on the train, and then he you know he touches her on the shoulder and leaves. So it's very much a direct nod to Brief Encounter. Mm. Then you see. Therese in the cab with these very small like flashback moments, you know, to that to that time as well. And then when you get to the to that scene at the end, like the tension is so incredible from the actors of you know of Carol expressing her love for Therese. It's mm. just um, it's just really well uh, well done the way the screenplay plans out really because obviously it's you know it's very you're very much on the exterior right at the beginning in that dinner scene and then you you don't really know what's going on that much until the friend turns up and it's very much focused on the interruption at the start and then obviously when you get to the end you know you get that scene again and it's just full of just this incredible tension between the characters because they obviously at this point in the film they haven't seen each other for for quite some time And, you know, will Carol, will Carol and Therese get back together? And, you know, it's just really well done. Both performances are incredible in that moment. Mm. I just kind of like the way it was structured there. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of nice getting it from both points of view. Like you get it at the beginning and then at the end. And it's just like, especially how much they go through, uh, towards the end. Then the whole scene takes on like a much more, uh, you know, powerful meaning or you, you yeah, deeper it takes level. on a much, yeah. much deeper meaning. Yeah, we kind of spoke about uh, when we talked about "Call You by Your Name," "Call Me by Your Name." That's it. <laughs> the fact that they don't really touch on the fact that you know that these gay relationships are very much frowned upon mm. in that film. They don't really touch on it, but in this one, they certainly oh, yeah. do. Well, um, I'd say it it pushes a lot of the plot forward. Like one, they don't really discuss it yeah. to other people. Uh, no. I mean, even when she's trying to sort of. Ex- like she's in love and she can't really tell anybody about this, and she's kind of got a she's got a boyfriend who's like madly in love with her and Teresa yeah, uh, and this guy um, who works with her who's like a well he's a photographer he want and she wants to be a photographer and he really likes her and he can't she can't really just come out and say this like I just I don't like you that way because no. I love this other woman and I like how she tries to sort of explain it to her boyfriend. Of like um Richard, yeah. yeah, where she's like, uh, do you think it's possible just for you to just uh just like someone just out of the blue, just really love them, and he's like mm. yeah i don't I don't know I, like what are you getting at? He goes, like if you were to just like a man, yeah, like if you were to just like like a man, mm. like 
He's like, just completely doesn't understand. He's like, what are you talking about? You know, I know, I, I suppose I've known of guys like yeah, that, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was kind of, that was kind of strange because it's kind of awkward. She can't really sort of open up and be like, yeah, I've got a roman- yeah. romantic feeling. obviously in that time, female, it's yeah. a criminal offense. Yeah. Well, they try, they hold it, uh, it's part of the, a uh, big part of the plot of uh, her husband holding that against her for like custody. Yeah. Because they want uh, joint custody, she, yeah, but he's yeah. like immorality or something, an immorality clause. Like she's immoral, so she shouldn't be able to see her. A morality clause he puts into it. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, it's, I, I thought that was a shock as well. The uh, the really nice um, guy in glasses who who's also staying at the motel and uh, who helps her with, who helps Therese oh, with the yeah, ice, yeah. and mm-hmm. he's quite friendly and what have you. He turns out he's working for mm-hmm. her husband and records, he recorded their night, and he has all this fucking stuff on the wall. Yeah, that was quite a shock. It kind of brings in this very film noir-y, thriller-y aspect to the script, which I kind of enjoyed, mm-hmm. and you don't see it coming oh, at no. all. You don't think Harve would be that awful mm. to carol and just like what the hell yeah i thought it was quite shocking you because know. she she gets a telegram yeah. and i like that scene because it's filmed straight through the window so you're looking through the window from outside as she's gonna check out so you're like okay this uh this is this this bit is over this this kind of romance bit or whatever they're they're checking yeah. out of the motel they've done whatever and then it's like oh uh you have a telegram and she reads the telegram, and she's just like, what the hell? Freaks out and runs to her car to get something from a car. And you're like, what's going on? She gets, like, a gun <laughs> and goes next door to yeah. Harold's or whatever. And you see all this stuff. I, I think she probably... It doesn't tell you what she got, but I think she got from... It might have been a telegram from her husband, like of, you know, he knows sort of thing or yeah. something. You know? Something yeah. like that. And uh, I think she just, you know, put two and two together. Yeah, yeah that was quite a... That was quite a good scene. Yeah, Kate Blanchett's amazing in that, where she's just so angry and there's no bullets in the gun. <laughs> Even, you know, she does pull yeah. the trigger, you know, and she's like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> what if there were bullets in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as you said, certainly the, the the fact that gay relationships are frowned upon is de- definitely part of the, the thrillery aspect and drives the plot a little bit in this film as yeah. well. But at the end, you know, it, de- it definitely doesn't scare them off at all. Um, it's very open-ended the end as well you don't it's not a complete conclusion Mm. that these two will definitely get together Mm. it's just certainly Therese has changed her mind yeah I want to see Carol again Mm. you know and she's more along with the ride maybe of of seeing where this relationship goes with Carol because like um, and once she gets her custody so well (laughs) Well, because it's like I, I think she basically got the custody sorted out by that point because when she thinks she sees Therese and stuff like that and you know she's obviously thinking about her and then she goes to the hearing and they they're talking about her lawyer is talking about how she's seen a therapist and she's not gay anymore and stuff and she's like she tells him you know tells him off it's like you know I I don't regret that at all you know this is this is that's all bullshit like I do still love her and all that stuff he goes and I'm even gonna waive custody but I want visitations, you know, and so don't, you know, yeah, don't yeah. be a. I think what was it? She says, you know, and if you if you don't take that deal, we'll go to court and it'll get ugly, and we're not ugly and stuff yeah. like that. And she cries. We're not. We're ugly not ugly people. people. Yeah. But um, I think by that point, she's kind of realised that, you know, she's trying to kind of do a compromise 
of like still have yeah, Therese because yeah. she kind of just cut clean off of her to try and make this mm. work so she could see her daughter. And so she's she's come up with this this compromise of not necessarily having custody, but she'll see her like once a week. Yeah. She's very open to the fact that she wants to be with Therese, yeah. like. Yeah, but I still want to see my yeah. daughter, you yeah. know. I think Ka- uh, both Kate Blanchett and Kyle Chandler, Kyle Chandler are amazing in that yeah. scene. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I I think it's kind of funny as well because the way he performs it, he doesn't seem like a terrible person. It's like it's just unfortunately she doesn't love no. him anymore. He's in like complete shock really. It's just like, you know, his his silence is kind of deafening. Yeah. It's just like she did not expect no. that at all. He was fully prepared to go to court yeah. with her, you know, and the fact that she's just, yeah, you have yeah. full custody and it's just like, yeah. whoa. I don't, think, it, I don't wow. think it's even a case of, like, he wants... It's very strange. It's like he's her ex-husband and they're going through a divorce. But you get these constant scenes where he does want her back, you know, it's not just about oh, sharing yeah, yeah. the kid. And he does uh, things that are kind of, like, asshole-like of taking the daughter just like that. You know, she's spending Christmas with me. Because he shows up to Sarah Paulson's character's house, just like, she's not at home, or she's not somewhere else, so she must be at your place. Like, let me in, I want to see my wife. She's still my wife, you know. Carl Chandler is is great in this film, I think. But yeah, he tries Uh, to kind of force her to stay with him for a bit. Like, uh, where he goes to collect his daughter, and she's like, well, she doesn't have her stuff, and he goes and gets her. And then he's like, you can come as well. You can come and see, you know, because we're going to be gone for a few days. Come with mm. me. Like, I can't, you know. It's just yeah. a way for him to try and, like, get her to love him again, you know. It's, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad. But, you know, it's the way love is. He, she doesn't love him, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's the way the 50s yeah. is as well. The fact that she just does not want his wife to be loving women, yeah. you know. It's just like, no, you can just love me. What are you doing trying to love yeah, a woman yeah. for? It just makes no sense in yeah, his yeah. mind, yeah, you know. I think, yeah. um, and in that culture of that time, you know, and it's just that's what Carol and Therese are battling. Mm. Yeah, and they kind of end up just losing each other uh, in their love in, at the end anyway, yeah. so it's kind of great. But yeah, it kind of ends a bit open-ended yeah. as well. 100%, because... Um, um, I think initially when they they go to meet at dinner, you know, Therese is very much, I mean, she's cried, she's thrown up, she's been through a state, Mm. she kind of slightly gave up on her dream of like being a photographer, she works for a paper and stuff. And I kind of uh, thought that was, what was it, when they meet up and it's just really tense, you know, and she's, she's not smiling and stuff. And I, uh, Kate Blanchett Carroll, she does mention like, I, I like I'm sorting this stuff out. You can cut. I'm getting another house. You can live with me if you want. And she's, it's like, no, no. Yeah. And then she's like, well, I'm having a get together. You can come over there and we can discuss it. Maybe if you change your mind, we can discuss if you change your mind or something. And so, yeah, she does see her at the end. Mm. Like she goes to some other party and then goes back to that. But yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean she's going to say <laughs> yes. But, you know, it is, it is, as you said, quite open ended. She is seeing her again. Uh, mm. Probably to talk about this more. But, uh, but all you need in the film at the end is just that look between the two characters that, yeah, the spark is mm. there again. Where will this go now? After all they've been through, the spark is there. It could be better this time. Yeah. But I think one thing this film does address that call you, call me by your name doesn't is the age gap yeah. between the two characters. Call you by your Call me by your name. I will get it right at some point. <laughs> um, doesn't really address that. It, I don't think so much. Yeah, I think you're. Ca- I you think know, you're Oliver kind of right. is thirty. Yeah. 
and Chalamet is 17 in the film. Elio. Yeah. They don't really have a conversation sort of addressing yeah. the 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 forbiddenness of it all not just the same sexness but the uh the, but they the kind of do in yeah yeah 100% yeah certainly not in terms of their age necessarily but just in terms of where they both are at in their lives in terms of life experience and what what shit they have to deal with um and there's a really beautiful letter that that's read out by Kate Blanchett um as a voiceover it you know is really beautiful and it's kind of about this real realization that this love affair has to go on pause now and that carol has to deal with her family situation with harve and her daughter and you know in her mind she thought she could run away with all run away from it all and it would go away uh, but carol kind of realizes that it's catching up on them you know with the 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 spy or whatever and it's just, and she realizes that this is completely unfair on Therese, and she realizes that she needs to live her life a bit more and find herself. Mm. But she certainly does understand it and wants to reunite, but they can't like do it right now, mm. you know. And she says, in some of it, it's quite long, but this is the this is the part that I quite liked that kind of sums up what Carol's point of view is, uh, where she says, "I have much to do." And you, my darling, even more. Please believe that I would do anything to see you happy. So so I do the only thing I can. I release you. You know, it's just a really beautiful way to express Carol's feelings and what they both need to do right now. You know, they've got shit to deal with. <laughs> but they will reunite, you know. I thought it was just really, really beautiful, that mm-hmm. bit. So have you got a favourite line? That's my favourite line, by by the way, that that kind of like, that voiceover bit. Hmm. Have you got a favourite line? I think maybe just the very simple I love you, which had never been said up until that point, and is said towards the end. Oh, at yeah. the dinner. I mean, that's quite effective, you know. Um, and I definitely felt yeah. it. In most films. Yeah, in, in most films. <laughs> I think it's good that they left it quite late, because I think it's just something that she's very uncomfortable saying. Do you know what I mean? Like, like getting yourself out in the open. Yeah, in the fifties context. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. And that she can say it, and in kind of a semi-public place, like in dinner. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It just felt quite impactful. It was like, so mm. very, yeah, yeah, it's same, a very yeah. simple line, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I did like, although I can't like know the line verbatim, but where she's trying to explain being attracted to a woman uh, to a boyfriend, I thought that was kind of that oh, was yeah, kind of that's... that was kind of funny because. You're like you know what she's trying to say, but she can't just come out and say it. Yeah, mm, yeah. You get a kind of a good sense of in of her innocence yeah. as well. You know, which I quite yeah. liked. She is she is really um, innocent because she keeps blaming herself for like shit that's got nothing to do with her. Mm, yeah, uh, like when they get caught. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's like what the hell are you sorry for? She's done like nothing done nothing wrong, wrong. <laughs> in most of the film, yeah. really. So. What score are you going to give this screenplay, about? I'd give it a pretty high, maybe 8.8. Yeah, I think I'll go fairly similar. I think, as I said at the top of this section, I think the the script is really nice and simple and it just gives the actors so much room to work with and, and allows them to be really subtle and nuanced for the acting. Yeah, it's just really well done, I think. So I'll go same, like 8.8, I think. Right, acting then... I kind of really love the performance from both women at the lunch scene. First proper, like, sit-down scene they have mm. um, between Carol and Therese. You know, the subtle little looks they give each other. It's just really interesting to, to re-watch. Mm. 
you know, you get this great sense of chemistry and electricity between Rooney Mara's performance. You know, she's just so innocent and curious about Carol and, you know, Kate Blanchett has this real great presence and stature about her, mm. uh, you know, and the way she holds herself throughout the film and certainly throughout the film as well. Like this persona, like slightly crumbles away, you know, and, and she really, and her emotions come out a lot more the, the more the film co- goes along and you certainly see that right from the start in this scene um with you know with these little looks towards therese i thought it's just a really great starting point in this film mm. with their relationship yeah we talked a little bit about carl chandler but he kind of made, he makes a uh a really great drunk husband yeah. you know the way he he starts to talk to therese um when he's in the house yeah. it's just like really oh awkward yeah and just like yeah, where he's having an argument and he just catches Therese's eye looking in, you know, and then she looks yeah. back and then he's like, how do you know my wife? And it's like, whoa, Jesus Christ, yeah. calm down, man. Yeah, I'm just listening to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love Rooney Mara in this film as well. He plays Therese. Mm. And when she goes home on the train, after the, br- the trip they go on that doesn't particularly go very well with Carol, um, and she just breaks down in tears like so quickly... Um, you just feel so sad for her because, as we said, she's literally done nothing wrong in this first trip that they go on. Just an incredible uh, sequence from Rooney Mara. That I just hope they don't use like onions or whatever to make her cry <laughs> in that moment. It would just be great if it to know the fact that she did that herself. She got to a place where she could do that, you know, not just use a trick or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, if I if it was, I, I just fe- I would just feel so cheated. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> I remember I was watching uh, I was you watching know. this one film where one of this act these actors um, his eyes were really red and he was like tearing up and stuff. And it turned out he he used to rub things onto his eyelids. Yeah. So it's like this um, this cream and it's just very irritable or something. But I'm mm. not sure. I, I don't know. Got to figure out what a method was. But yeah, so uh, it, it seems quite genuine. <laughs> And also there's a great transition shot, actually, from there, where the camera pulls to the left as she's on the train um, to the window, and then it goes dark, and, um, you know, you see her reflection, it goes dark, and then then you, all of a sudden, you're in the, inside a car, looking through the window at Therese walking to her, her apartment. I thought that was really well done from Todd Haynes there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, that was a really good shot, that? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love my transitions. That was a really good transition. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <nicked> <laughs> yeah, that's stuck in my mind. I should have mentioned that on the on the uh, directing. Any other performances you liked? Oh, uh, Carol's friend, who she had a a relationship with a long a long time prior to that. Sarah Paulson. Yeah, she was really good. Not like anything, you know, so over the top, but she just seemed quite quite genuine, quite like a genuine friend, and yeah, mm. it's, really well it's really cast well in that yeah. sort of role as a. As the best yeah. friend, I, I like how um, sort of uh, Therese when everything kind of breaks down and uh, she she goes and gets her, and she's like, you know, why are you being so? I think she says, why are you being so mean to me? You know, why are you mean? Or why no? Why don't you like me or something like? That? And she's like, dear, I wouldn't drive yeah. halfway across the country if I didn't, you know, like you. Yeah. And then uh, and then she's like inquiring about her past relationship because I think she's th- thinking, oh, you know, this has happened before, and she's throwing me aside, you know. Um, yeah. And she's saying, like, what we had is not at all what you guys had, you know. Ours was, mm. you know, incredibly brief. It wasn't really a thing. 
Um, yeah. And now we're friends. And I, just, I don't know. I just quite like the performance. In Carol's experimental stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, quite, I just quite like that. Yeah, there's loads of great moments from Kate Blanchett as well. Just an incredible actress. Oh, yeah. yeah um, I agree. For me. Yeah, I think she I think she steals the show. Yeah, the moment when Kate Blanchett is on the phone to Therese, Kate Blanchett is amazing because she looks like she's so nervous at times because she's literally shaking, especially when Therese says, I want to ask you things, but you don't want that. And Carol says, ask me things, please, out of desperation to see her again, yeah. you know, and it's just... She's literally, when she's got the cigarette in her hand, she's literally fucking shaking, yeah. it's, you know, it's just, and trembling, it's just incredible, yeah. absolutely incredible from Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit as well about the, the custody scene, but again, Kate Blanchett and Kyle Chandler is amazing, but certainly Kate Blanchett, she's just, you know, trying to hold back her emotions and trying to control herself when she says Harge can have all the... Um, custody of Rindy you know she's just really great in that and again Carl Chandler has this great like silence and shock to him mm. so what's your favourite performance I've, I've completely blanked out about <laughs> what the what the name <laughs> of anybody is um, Kate Blanchett that's the one no names Kate, uh, is shut up back again. <laughs> they're fictional I know their name real people not so much <laughs> Kate Blanchett, yeah, Kate Blanchett. I think she knocks it out of the park. Like many of these films, you know, it's a, str- it's a strong cast. It's good, but yeah, she's 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 a class act. For me, I'm going to go with Rudy Mara as Therese. Actually, I think she certainly has the the quieter performance, but you can really feel what she's feeling in moments as much as Carol does, if not more. For me, you know, she's very introverted in real life. She conveys a kind of vulnerability and a sort of false yeah. confidence, you know. Yeah, which for me is really hard to do. Mm. And I think Rooney Mara nails it completely. It's very much a subjective choice for me. I, I suspect, I think um, Carol, uh, Kate Blanchett did get Oscar nominated, and I, I'm not sure Rooney did, but, you know, Kate Blanchett definitely has the more showy performance. Mm. Not by a long way. The, the both performances are very subtle and nuanced, but. I don't know. I just I just relate to Rooney Mara's character a bit more than than Carol, I guess. Mm. So I'm gonna go with Rooney Mara's Therese. Okay, is my favorite. Um, so acting score about as what you're gonna go for? Mm. Eight point nine. Okay, too low. Too low. Too low. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, for me, the, the the acting in this is just extraordinary. For me, I just I just it worked for me right from word go till right to the to the last frame. I think was it Nicholas Ryan Refn said once that ninety percent of directing is casting, mm. and I think the casting in this film is absolutely perfect and spot on. I can't imagine anyone else in any of these roles, and the chemistry and the electricity just works so well. Mm. Um, between Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett. And you can do as, mu- as much, you know, test screenings or whatever as much as you can, but when you get there on set, it's, it's very much a gamble whether this, whether the chemistry between two actors like this works. And thankfully for Todd Haynes and, you know, the filmmakers on Carol, it works really, really well. They got, I don't want to say lucky, but they, they made spot on decisions. They, they couldn't have made it a better one really in both certainly the two leads so i'm gonna go like 9.7 for holy me. shit all right yeah i think 
it's definitely the best performances in a film that we've covered yeah. in, on this podcast for yeah. me. It's, they're brilliant. <laughs> cool. And they didn't win a fucking Oscar. <laughs> Bastards. They should have had you in the Academy. I think, yeah, the Bastards. Uh, I've made some shitty films. Why can't they have me on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Brie Larson won. Or was it Lis- Alicia Vikander won for the Danish girl, I think, who won that year. But there we go. Right. Let's add up the scores then for Carol. Carol gets 53.5. Bloody hell. So Carol wins this one by a few points. Um, call me by your name. Yeah, I got it Yay, right. Yay, finally. And um, get 51.4. Finally. <laughs> so Carol wins, not by a long way. So I think call me by your name. Yeah, got it right again. Could be our highest winner. Um, loser. So check out our... Loser. Oh, our highest loser. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Get your shit our together, man. Fucking hell! Oh. It's just it's been a lo- it's been a long day. Your brain's turning to shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next week, Thunder Force will arrive on next on Netflix, which stars Melissa McCarthy. So we'll have a look at Melissa McCarthy films. Okay. Right. See you later, Boaz. You've been rather good as always. You're always downplaying me, man. Why? Why don't you go fuck up, Peach? <laughs> <laughs> i've actually got oranges downstairs uh, not peaches. okay yeah they're, they're, they, they hurt a bit more on your cock i find so yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right from, from experience, experience i guess lemons are the worst <laughs> melons all right melons. bye bye sorry <laughs> okay. join us for our next show where we will talk about what fruit to stick your dick in um <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Bye. (laughs) Stop talking now. (laughs) That's it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to find out more about the podcast or suggest future topics for us to discuss related to upcoming releases, let us know on Instagram at Film vs. Film Podcast or on Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. Remember, please subscribe. Pod signing off. Thank you.